getting out. I mean, we are huge advocates of a statement within the first hour. And that statement may be, I don't have anything to say at this time. I don't have enough information, but it's really important that you over communicate because silence is just, that's what kills businesses when they just don't say anything. And don't lie. And don't lie. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, folks, welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I'm grateful to have Darlene Hollywood of the Hollywood Agency, a public relations firm. Hey, Darlene, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. So help me understand public relations. What What is that? What does that entail? Well, I think to talk about that, it's interesting to kind of go back to when I started because cool. the industry has changed so much since then. Um, traditionally, people have always thought about public relations really tied to earned media. So we would go out to the media, we would convince them to tell our story and we would earn their trust and they would then report back via a story or a broadcast or editorial in that sort of format. And today it's a little bit different. Today it really falls into more of what is known as the peso model, which is paid, earned, owned, and shared. So um, our agency, while we do a lot of media relations in the traditional sense, we're also doing a lot of pay to play, which is working with organizations, media outlets, sometimes to actually do more advertorial type of content, for example. Um, influencer relations has come into the mix along with social media and with influencers. Again, we're oftentimes, if not paying them directly in cash, sometimes we're paying them in the products that, we, um, that, that we're promoting. Uh, FTC does require that we disclose those arrangements with a hashtag ad or sponsored, which you'll see in a lot of social posts. But so the industry is very much evolved from not necessarily just working with third party credible institutions these days, but also a lot of paid one as well as well. So that's cool. So paid, earned, owned, owned, owned which is your website. Owned. Got it. And, and then, then shared. Shared. Would your, that would be your social channels. So affiliate marketing, for example. It could be, it could be, or it could just be uh, how you share information on your social channels. So talk about influencers for a second. Those That intrigues me um, because that's obviously new phenomenon from when we were kids, right? Yes. They didn't have influencers. Help me understand the model of an influencer. So the way that we look at them is really has to do with not only their following, the size of their following, but also very much their engagement. How often they post is not necessarily the metric by which to measure, but who's commenting, who's sharing, who's liking, who's, you know, providing input. Um, and it runs the gamut. So we work with micro and macro influencers. Micro on the one side generally tend to be those that have about 10,000 or less followers, macro can have anything over 100,000. Uh, we did a, a program with Charlie D'Amelio earlier 
this year with one of our clients, Bliss Lights, they had a projector that you would put in a, a bedroom or a college room, for example, that would spray this array of lights along a wall. And Charlie was at the time, I think the number two TikTok influencer um, in the world. And that engagement, just as an example, cost $700 for the brand and included maybe three TikToks. What was he, what was he doing to influence the amount of he's people? He's actually a she. <laughs> oh, she, Charlie. She. Okay. Yeah, she's, a, she's a dancer. Yes. Got it. Got it. So folks follow her because of what she's doing on TikTok and then brands want to be associated with her. Correct. So she's just built this enormous, I think, I don't quote me, but I think it's 4 million followers on TikTok. Um, and yeah, she carries a lot of influence. If Charlie D'Amelio is recommending a product like Bliss Lights to um, a lot of 13-year-old girls, they go out and purchase the product. Right. And the right. brand realized a return on their investment for $700,000 engagement for a product that costs $40. So just think about how many products you'd have to sell. So she becomes the spokesperson in essence, and she is endorsing and vouching yes. for the product in essence, right? Yes. And, you know, platforms, they, they, they especially like on a TikTok, there's just the opportunity to show how the product works and show how she interacts with the product in real time. Got it. Got it. So it's almost like a how to enjoy this product yes. also. So it's a commercial for the product with this it, thought it, leader. A, yes. Yes. The difference being from a commercial that most influencers do not like to be told how to talk about a product. So you lose a little bit of the um, editorial direction when you're playing, you know, paying for an ad, you can write the copy, you can say, this is the script, this is what we want to say. Influencers, because they want to maintain authentic to their audiences, um, they require that they're given a lot more control about what the post will look like, how they will talk about it. Of course, under certain guidelines, because for $700,000, you've got to do something. <laughs> yeah. And there has to be real contracts associated with that and real yes. rules around it, right? It's not simply, I have a bunch of followers and I'm going to say the name of a product and they're going to pay me, right? There's a lot more to it than that. We have legal contracts drawn up with lawyers such as yourself reviewing things and ensuring that they're doing their part of it and we're getting you know, doing our part to get paid as well. So yes. So your part is what? Like, are you representing the influencer, the product? How How is it that you're engaged in a shared environment? So in the case of um, the client that I referenced, Bliss Lights, they contracted with us to help them promote their product. And promote their product, they gave us, you know, carte blanche to say, what's the best way to get this product out in front of the core audience, which is younger teenage girls. Um, so she seemed to be the best opportunity for that. That wouldn't be necessarily a product that, I mean, kids don't, when I grew up, I read, you know, Tiger Magazine and Teen Beat and those things. Kids today don't 
consume media the same way. They're right. consuming media. They're learning about things. Even my own daughters will tell me often, you know, oh, I, I got a new recipe on TikTok today. So they're just consuming media so different. And that's why, again, as I was saying from the beginning, the business has changed so drastically. No doubt. I don't think there's an industry that probably could say that they've changed any more than PR if you're dealing with media, right? Other than media, right? Only media has changed more than those working with media. So yeah, I was going to say, but you know, our agency represents products like Bliss Lights, which is what we consider a, a business to consumer product. We also support a lot of business to business clients. Um, accounting firms, uh, law firms, you know, that kind of work. And for them, traditional thought leadership media still means something. Right. So um, we have a, a crypto wallet, for example, that our client was featured the other day on CNBC. And that was a big deal for him to get in front of that audience. So it, there still is a place for it. It just, it, it really comes back to the audience who you're trying to reach and then finding the channel that's most appropriate, whether it be through paid means or through earned means. Got it. Okay. So let's go through that acronym. So we're going backwards. So tell us about owned assets. Do you work with owned assets too? You no, know, owned is really what you put out on your own website. It's what you put out on your own blog. It's if you host your own podcast, like mm. you're doing. Um, and it's the one piece of the peso model that you have full control over you know, paid to a certain extent, you do have control over. Although in the example that I just shared with influencers, not so much. Um, but if you were to take out an ad, you could say exactly what you wanted to say. But the owned sphere is the one that you really have full control over. So you get to, you know, design the communication the way you want it to appear. Now, with your owned stuff. The problem is that you don't have the third party credibility, which is what PR is really built on. It's when you can say all you want. My business is great. I'm the best at it. I do it better than anyone else. But when an independent third party says your business is great, you do it better than anybody else. It means something different. And that's the earned. That's really the essence of PR. Got it. So that's, that's the, the umbrella. Public. Yes, that's that, that's the pups. Yes. The umbrella is somebody else is saying wonderful things about me. I'm not saying my product's great, buy my product. Somebody else is saying that product is amazing, buy that product. Correct. And then, you know, it's supported by your owned and your shared and to a certain extent you're paid. Got it. Got it. So what is the typical client of Hollywood agency? Oh gosh, um, we don't have a typical client, and that's very that's very purposeful. Um, there are great agencies out there that have core competencies. They work in healthcare, they work in finance, they work in consumer packaged goods, um, and I've worked for those agencies. I think that the problem is there are a couple of problems when you when you set your firm up like that. Um, first off, I'm true believer that clients come to agencies because they're looking for objectivity and creativity. And I think when they, you do the same thing for the same kinds of clients day in and day out, you lose the ability for both of those. The other piece, which is really important, particularly from a media relations standpoint, is um, 
you end up cannibalizing opportunities if you have the same clients. So if I have two law firms and the Wall Street Journal wants to talk to one of my lawyers about a real estate question or such, um, what happens is you say, well, who hasn't gotten a lot of coverage lately because we're going to put them up in front, not necessarily they're the best person. So by keeping, um, you know, by not having a lot of clients in the same categories, we we don't run into that problem. So 50% of the business is B2B, 50% of the business is B2C. I love it. And, you know, you, you talk about the agency, I mean, the um, media outlets reaching out to you. You must be a valuable asset for them as well when they're searching for stories. We are. Um, however, again, this is where things have changed drastically in the past 20 some years, having worked in the industry. You know, we used to, when I came into the, the business, you wrote a press release and you right. distributed a press release and you distributed to all the media and they would report back on it. And you knew the beat editor at all of the papers and you knew, you know, you knew you had these really deep relationships with people. And that's what the, the, the business was founded on. And today, I mean, you don't have to work in this business to see that every other day, a newspaper is shutting down or, you know, a station's going out of business, radio station, what have you. So what's happened is a lot of freelancers have come into the fold. And um, I had a chat with a freelancer that I've known for decades recently. And she works, she always worked in juvenile products and did worked in the trade magazines for baby products, essentially. And I said, well, what are you doing these days? And she said, oh, I'm working on oil and gas. And I'm like, what do you know about oil and gas? And she said, nothing, but that's where the work is. So um, we don't have those relations. It's harder to build those relationships because it's a very fluid market today. Um, unlike what it was when I started. It's just, it's it's different. And you can't just send out a press release because it's become so much more competitive. So, you know, one newspaper isn't going to write the same thing that another newspaper is writing. So the fact that everyone's getting the same news isn't really valuable. So when we do do press releases, it's probably more for SEO purposes than for actual publicity. So do you work with with marketing and advertising? Do you work against? Is there a is there a collaboration there? Like how does that work? There is a collaboration. Um we don't do traditional creative advertising. So that's always on the outside. The the place where things get a little bit more muddled is with social media. Mm. So Creative agencies say, well, we should own social media because it's visual, there's creative involved. PR agencies like myself say, well, we should own social media because it's just another channel by which to get your message out. And we're the ones that craft the messages. And then you have digital agencies that are saying, well, we should own social media because we understand the algorithms. So the those three sort of businesses are kind of duking it out and, you know, we get some of it, they get some of it and the others get some of it. But if I'm a big company hoping to get my brand and message out with the best algorithms possible, I'm bringing them all together, aren't I? I, That's what we would absolutely suggest because if you have it all under one roof, one house, 
it's more consistent and cohesive. And you can't do it all, right? You gotta, you gotta be able to understand what you know and what you don't know, right? Right. right. And that takes collaboration and that takes uh, shared vulnerabilities and abilities to, to work together for the common, common goal. That's, that's pretty cool. So, so how did you originally get into public relations? Well, it was not, it wasn't a linear track by any means. I actually went to Emerson college and was a performing arts major. And uh, I realized pretty quickly that I wasn't that talented. What was your, what was your performing art? Theater. Oh, cool. But, um, that wasn't really going to work out so well. <laughs> I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a waitress. Um, so I ended up changing gears and went into communications with a concentration of television production. Wow. At Emerson. Mm-hmm. And when cool. I graduated, I got my first job at a community television studio. Um, I had a staff of volunteers. I was schlepping a lot of camera equipment around to town meetings and baseball games being the on-air talent, as well as, the production assistant or whatever I needed to be. So that was not very glamorous in my eyes either. So I went from thinking I wanted to be in front of the camera to behind the camera. And then the next logical step seemed to be in public relations, which I knew nothing about until I called a friend and he said, oh yeah, I'm working at a PR agency. It's great. And I said, well, what do you do? And he said, I don't know. We, we talked to a lot of people. We try to convince them of things. I think you'd be really good at it. So of course, this is before the internet. I went to the library and I looked up um, public relations. Did you, did you, did you pull the microfiche out for the? Yeah, uh... pretty much. much. (laughs) And I, I saw this, all this talk about press releases and I started studying press releases. And then I, I wrote a press release to my first, the first job that I applied to. And the release was announcing that I got the job at this agency. And they hired me. Thought that is brilliant. They thought it was clever. So I know. And, it, you know, I've told so many st- students this story and I'm like, I still have never gotten one back. I'm like, come on and you can use it. <laughs> isn't that amazing? What a great idea. What a courageous idea. But yet. So commonsensical. It's brilliant. Brilliant. Well, I mean, we are in the business of breaking through the clutter. That's what we do. So right. I took a I I took a class at uh, in college uh, yeah. called public relations, yep. and I really enjoyed it. And I remember I had to present uh, a damage control uh, press uh, press conference for Dexter Manley. Mm. You remember he played for uh, formerly the Washington Redskins, and he did something, and I'll never forget it. I mean, I was up there, I was taking questions and. Yeah. doing doing the uh d- doing the pr thing getting out in front of it so what other what other things do you do for clients i i mean to that to that point um and it, whenever i say this it sounds so terrible so i just as a caveat i love the crisis work um it's just fast paced it's super exciting it's you know, company is so underwater. We've dealt with um, everything from baby monitors that were blowing up. Um, had a client that had a, a commercial fishing boot that when they changed the manufacturer from Rockville, Illinois and moved it to China, 
um, the boots started to fall apart on these fishermen that were literally fishing in the Bering Sea. Just not, you can't just get to Walmart and pick up another pair. Wow. Uh, we've had, you know, racial discrimination issues. We've had all likes of just messes. So CEO has been work, working with their CMO, right? Who's been engaged with PR and something tragic happens. Like what, what does that process look like? CEO calls and says, um, we've had an oil spill in mm -hmm. the Gulf of Mexico. What do we do? Do we cover it up? Do we, do we? The first, the first thing we always say is, do you have a crisis plan? And I can tell you almost 10 out of 10 times they say no. Mm. I think in the decades that I've been in this business, I think I've come across two or three companies that had proactive plans in place. So nobody has a plan and everybody should have a plan. Well, what is that? What does that plan look like? So, so if you're being proactive and you're talking with your companies that you're working with, like, I love crisis, but I love it a lot more when we have a plan. What does that plan look well, like? You will know that every industry has inherent risks. If you are a restaurant, you can mm -hmm. anticipate um, you're going to have, you know, bad food or, um, if you're, you know, there are certain things that you're always going to be able to anticipate. Right. And we try to first plan scenarios around those things. So if you think that, you know, your restaurant, somebody could get sick and potentially even die, God forbid, um, who do we need to notify when that happens? What government agencies mm. to have on speed dial? What, you know, it's things like that. I mean, companies don't even realize half the time who their neighbors are. So if you have a gas leak or something's gonna explode, they don't even know how to like, you know, they call the police, obviously, and the police gets, but they can't even communicate with the person next door to them because mm. if they don't have it, you know, they don't have a plan. That's interesting. That's really interesting. So what do you recommend minimum standards of, of a plan? Who are you going to call? Well, yeah. Depending on the scenario, right? So every scenario is going to be a little bit different and advice is get out in front of it get out in front of it and now you know i th I don't think that companies are taking serious enough the issues around deep fakes and mm. you know social media what can happen there um most of our clients we find new clients that come in all the time too they don't have social media policies and when something goes out i mean these are viral channels so there's no recourse there. So just that's part of the plan. What's your policy in place? How are you going to, how are your employees being told how to handle media if media talks to them outside the building when something's happened? So it's just all of those pieces. And then yes, getting out. I mean, we are huge advocates of a statement within the first hour. And that statement may be, I don't have anything to say at this time. I don't have enough information, but it's really important that you over communicate because silence is just, that's what kills businesses when they just don't say anything. And don't lie. And don't lie. No, better to say, we say all the time to say, I don't know. I don't right. know. I, I always give the, on it. I always give the example of Roger Clemens and um, Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit, both on the same team, both 
won the same World Series, both accused of using steroids. One made counter accusations through haymakers and will always be remembered as a villain. And uh, the other one got out in front of it and said, you know what? People were doing it. I made a mistake. I I apologize. I get it. If you feel like I've cheated, I'm sorry. And how will history view the two of them very differently? Yeah, it's 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 all about owning up to your mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. People are people are forgiving. If you're empathetic and you're authentic and you're, you know, you want to do right by things. So a company finds Hollywood agency has them on retainer for a couple of years and is blown away by the goodwill that has been showered upon them and the, the uh, exposure and awareness of their company. How do they sit down and write a testimonial for your owned, your owned assets for Hollywood, right? So owned assets of your website or your testimonials, what, what are they saying? I think they want to, they want to, say two things. The first one they want to say, the first thing they want to say is, wow, they they broke through the clutter. They got us through. I mean, today there are, um, the latest stat I saw, there are seven PR people to every one journalist. So we, am, we are literally bombarding them with news. They're getting hundreds and hundreds of emails a day. So there's something in the communication, there's something in the strategy, there's something that there's a story that we were able to tell that their competitors weren't, weren't able to tell. That's on the one side. Second second piece of it is sometimes, sometimes no news is good news. Sometimes they don't want to get a lot of attraction about something that's not great. And we're able to mitigate that and try to suppress it, not hide it, but not bring, you know, the forefront of attention to it either. So, you know, but as a business, we want to be thought of as trusted strategic advisors that, really deliver authentic, truthful counsel. Wow. I love that. Love that. So a lot of your clients, um, by getting involved in PR might be expanding their comfort zone. Maybe they're doing things that, uh, they're not normally used to like joining a podcast and telling their story, you know, um, or getting out in front on a, on a, a thought leader type of uh, concept or karaoke. So Darlene, we're, I've talked with you about the, some of the guests who've networked within the, the guest community on this show and what a wonderful network of people have joined with you and allowing me to share your story but we're going to get them all together at some point in the future. And we're going to have karaoke center stage and everybody's going to be excited to see Darlene Hollywood come to the stage and sing what song? American Pie. Whoa. Cool. The longest, the loudest. <laughs> I love it. And it's a true story, right? It's a story. Yes. Various chapters. I love it. I love it. And um, crowd involvement, right? Everybody loves that song. Absolutely. So they're going to sing along with you and you're going to feel like it's all one, one thing, which is PR, right? It's Good natural. Songwriting. Yep. It's all natural. I love it. I love PR. I love what you're doing. Um, 
keep doing what you're doing. What is the most important question of a good podcast is how do they reach the guest? If they want to talk with Darlene Hollywood or they want to connect with Darlene and Hollywood agencies, how do they do that? Well, it's, it's pretty easy because I have a fairly memorable name, which if anyone is wondering is actually my maiden name. Um, we are Hollywood agency and we make brands famous. So you can reach us on the website at hollywoodagency.com. Um, email Darlene at hollywoodagency.com. LinkedIn, Darlene Hollywood. You'll find us. We're the only Hollywood in town. <laughs> oh, I love it. We're the only Hollywood in town. I love it. I love it. So thank you. I really, truly appreciate you coming on and, and explaining public relations. I really do. Thank you. It's really fun. Folks, this has been another exciting episode of Elements of Styles. If you enjoyed this, if you thought, hmm, so-and-so would really need to hear this, share it with them. If you're thinking, PR, that's a strategy I've never really thought about. Reach out. Until next time, folks, thank you for listening and have an amazing week. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.